Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Everybody's doing well on this Thursday. I want to get into a little bit about the ACC and Big Ten um, basketball games and college basketball this week. Uh, took place on Tuesday and Wednesday, I believe. Just going to recap some of the, the key teams that I have interest in and talk a little about the season itself. So, college basketball has been dealing with a lot of um, things lately. There's been a number of cases spiking for a lot of programs. Uh, Gonzaga and Baylor could not play each other, uh, you know, a while back. And another popular game in Michigan State and Virginia got canceled. So there's been some games here, here and there now that have been postponed or canceled or something along those lines. And, you know, this is what was expected from the college basketball season. Coach K and a lot of players have expressed their um, concerns about, you know, testing and games that are being played. Um... You know, college basketball and the NCAA, they're really going to have to monitor things as they go along. They are having these, um, you know, cross-conferences games and everything like that, which is great for basketball, but we want to see players and programs be able to have a decent season, but not at the risk of their players, everybody traveling back and forth and getting anything. So... Um, it's good that we are getting basketball games and college basketball. They definitely need it. The plan is to have a March Madness tournament. You know, I mean, a postseason tournament. But I really think that college basketball is going to have to slow things down. Um, and at, at some point, they're going to have to extend certain things or make sure that uh, they can get enough games for each conference in. Because we do want to see some of the other, uh, other lower schools not, not the top five power schools like the SEC, ACC. We want to see other schools get a chance to play and uh, have, a, have a case at least to make it to the NCAA uh, tournament. So there were a couple of notable games this past week, um, or this past Tuesday actually, you know, just a while back. That were, were, you know, some really interesting games. I talked about Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky kind of stepping it up. Um... And they are still off to a slow start. And it's just mostly about some of these players, some of these, uh, you know, games that they've had. There have been quite a few upsets in college basketball so far, which is usual. But it doesn't really happen this early in the season. So uh, I'm going to get into a little bit about that. So Iowa beat North Carolina 93-80. to Iowa improved to 4-0. And North Carolina dropped a three and two. The biggest difference in that game between Iowa and North Carolina is that Iowa took almost 40 three-pointer attempts, made 17 of them. So Iowa is a team that prides itself on playing good defense, but shooting the ball from the outside at a rapid pace. And they came out and really set the tone with their three-point shooting. Um, and made sure that they were making most of their shots. North Carolina was able to slow down Luke Garza, who is one of the best players expected 
in next year's NBA draft class. They did slow him down to a certain extent, but he still had 16 points and 14 rebounds. Uh, the biggest thing was that Iowa shooting guard Jordan Bohannon had a really big game, 24 points. Uh, he led the way for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And Garza helping with the rebounding overall. The biggest thing that North Carolina isn't doing right so far this season is they're not shooting well on the outside. They, if they want to keep pace with a, with you know a more well-scoring and balanced team like Iowa or any other competition they're going to face later on this season, they got to be able to pick up their offense and have more balanced scoring. Uh, shooting guards Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have to do better overall. I mean, they are young, yes, in their career, the first year at North Carolina, uh, but. And they have a great system there, they get resources there. Um, they got to get it going offensively because that's what seems to have held them back at many points, I would say, um, in their uh, game so far. That they have not been able to sustain offense um, as much as they would like to. Um, and they got to turn that around. They really got to turn that around if they really want to make some noise in the ACC. Having 18 turnovers won't help you against a good Iowa team. So, key for the North Carolina Tar Heels is to protect the basketball to get more balanced scoring from their starting five, especially their shooting guards, Caleb Love and RJ Davis, because they will be the ones um, to make this team relevant um, and rank going forward um, this season. Now, number six Illinois beat number ten Duke on the road, eighty-three to sixty-eight. Iowa had more of a balanced effort from their starting five compared to Duke. Um, only two guys with Duke finished over with ten over over ten points. And as a team, Duke shot five of twenty-two, um, I believe, from three-pointer, um, which is not going to get you. Any, anywhere to be honest and I think the biggest thing that I've been talking about was Jalen Johnson uh, he has promised as a young you know as a young player as a guard as a point guard possibly he's got to step it up I know the looking at his way he is and his frame he can be a good shooter he just got to do it more consistently and yes it's early in the season for him and he may be able to adjust at some point um, but you know it's all about Duke having a balanced effort from all their guys. And I think Jalen Johnson is the key for Duke this season. If he can get it going and, and play well uh, and shoot well from the outside, then Duke will definitely be able to make some noise in the ACC and be able to challenge better in the NCC tournament. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And looking at, you know... Duke, they were down 43 to 29 at the half. So, you know, Duke's got to get off to a better start. They got to get their stuff going in the right direction. They've won a couple of games this year, yes. Um, but it's all about seeing some development from their players. And I think Jalen Johnson, um, as far as I read about him and seen him, I, I think he can be more aggressive at times. I think he, he's got to have a better. Uh, you gotta do a better job of shot making and decision making because that's what seemed to have have affected him a little bit so far early on in his uh, career here at Duke. 
I was really impressed by number 21 Rutgers yes the Rutgers Scarlet Knights um, in the Big Ten Conference obviously and they are seem to be do much better in basketball I think than football at this moment um, but it's good to see Rutgers off to a 4-0 start um, will it last remains to be seen because they will face stiffer competition coming up um, but Rutgers played really well this uh, this week um, they beat Syracuse which doesn't really happen a whole lot uh, 79-69 the score Ron Harper Jr. Uh, led the way with 26 points for Rutgers shooting guard um, 9-13 shooting I believe he's a junior or a senior if I remember correctly and so he uh, he led the way for Rutgers in this game they really had to uh, find some momentum down the stretch to get this game and win um, overall I look at it, Rutgers out-rebounded Syracuse 42-26 to on the boards, which is impressive to do. And they have to keep that going forward if they want to be able to beat a team like Michigan State, possibly, or Ohio State. So, yeah, as a team, Rutgers shot better from three-pointer line. Um, you know, Mathis, who was a junior, Maldez Mathis, um, chipped in with 19 points, also a shooting guard. And, you know, Jacob Young, senior guard, had, uh, you know, a decent game. with 18 points and 10 assists. So, this was their first true test of the season. And, you know, Rutgers grinded out the victory in the second half, I would say. You know, they held Syracuse to no basket or field goals the last five minutes of the game. So, you know, they do have more challenging games on the schedule, but... They got a good thing going here. Um, their coach is doing well, and I think that they have to just try to keep finding ways to win games against stiffer competition. And Rutgers, is, you know, as a basketball program, has had ups and downs over the years. Um, but this is their chance, maybe, to make some noise if they can play um, play hard. They have an experienced group of guys. Um, who are trying to go out, go out um, with, with with a bang? And Rutgers being ranked is is a good thing. But the last, like I said, it's a, it's, it's still a long season to go. But um, you know, they're off to a good start, and at, at least they are doing something that will make Rutgers, uh, you know, Rutgers fans and people a little bit excited about this team's potential. Hopefully, that they can get into the postseason tournament, which is a big if. But it can be done, maybe, in this unprecedented college basketball season. Now, some of the other things that I noticed this week. Um, Kentucky is still struggling, to be honest. They have not been able to cut down their turnovers. They had, I think, 21 turnovers against Georgia Tech, which is not going to be good. They just need to get better shooting and better um, offense from their team. They can't turn it around. They have the ability to do so. John Calper's got to find something to get these guys to play harder um, and, and to play mistake-free um, in the second half of these basketball games they've lost. Um, so they, if they can do that, then they have a good shot of getting their confidence back. And, you know, it starts with everybody committing to being balanced offensively and playing good defense on the perimeter. Um, and, and, and definitely in the paint because Jordan Tech definitely did a lot of their scoring in the paint. So they got to step up and, and do better. 
So overall, the Big Ten's had a big week. They've pretty much beaten all the ACC teams this week. Um, and so, you know, you want to see North Carolina and Duke just kind of find something and get on a stretch of games, or winning some games in a row. Um, but we know it's a long season to go. Both programs have a lot of work to do. Got a lot of young talent on both sides, some experienced talent on, on both sides. And so it's really going to see, I'm really interested to see, you know, what John Calipari and Coach K will do with their respective teams going forward when they face even more uh, top teams. And, uh, you know, they, they may face each other at some point this year as well. Uh, so it's really important that both teams get themselves going in the right direction. Player development, coaching, energy, and making sure that these players are safe, committed to playing, uh, and l- learning the game right is very important for these programs. Gonzaga, Baylor, and Kansas all are in a good spot right now in the rankings of college basketball. Michigan State is a team to keep an eye on because Tom Izzo has them playing pretty well right now. Uh, they pull off some, you know, good wins already so far, and so you know they are some team to watch out for um, to see if they can keep it going uh, later on in the season. So in this segment, I want to talk about the NBA a little bit, and I'm going to try to preview some of the teams that did not play in the bubble um, this past, um, you know, June and July, and I'm going to try to get into, uh, you know, some some of these teams um, that you know, are in lower markets, aren't considered as top teams in the conference, but are trying to trend in that direction and make some kind of impact um, for their city. And one of those teams um, that I'm going to talk about right now in today's segment is the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Chicago Bulls have been a historic franchise. Everybody knows if anybody watched The Last Dance, the Michael, you know, Jordan's documentary, about all of the championship runs and experiences and all of that. Chicago has been a city that has had a winning culture, known for a lot of great things over the years. And they were truly great when they had Jordan, Pippen, Dennis Rodman, you know, Steve Kerr and all those guys. And so now you look at what is going on with the Bulls right now in the city of Chicago. You know, they don't really have much to really cheer about. Here and there, the hockey team, the Blackhawks, I believe, are doing well uh, some years. But the Bears haven't been that dominant team or haven't been as good team. And the Bulls, for the past three seasons, just have not put a winning product on the, on the basketball court. And that has to change. It has to change because we know that some teams are able to find a change in their front office or their head coach to produce the results that are needed to win. And so look at Chicago's record the past three seasons. Uh, in 2017 and 2018 NBA season, they were 27-55. They were 22-60 and in 2018-2019. And they were 22-43 and this past season before, the, before play stopped. 
So they've had three consecutive losing seasons. They've had notable talent leave them uh, due to front office issues or head coaching issues. Um, they should have never had let Jimmy Butler go into the trade, trading him. Yes, it was a difficult situation for them to handle, and Butler wasn't happy. Um, but ever since Jimmy Butler left, they just have not been the same. Um, and they've been through some 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 of the other things as well. They've been through some some other changes as well because of roster development and just not having a clear direction of the franchise. Um, you know, some things don't work out that well for some some teams. You know, there are years when you just try to put a winning product on the floor and it doesn't work out. And the Bulls, I don't know, they've have mixed it up. They've traded a bunch of guys away over over these past years and trying to get a team, trying to make a team that can be uh, relevant and can be meaningful in the Eastern Conference. Um, but the main thing is that the Bulls are trying to trend towards the direction of getting younger, rebuilding through the draft, trying to cut salary where they can, and make some plays for some free agents, not the high top free agents, but some mid, mid-level uh, free agents or some good players that can help their young guys do well. Now, they have had some recent draft picks, um, and those players are still developing as we speak. And the Bulls front office hasn't done that good of a job yet um, of surrounding these guys with the talent that they need to be successful. Um, they tried hiring a college head, you know, college basketball coach in Fred Hoiberg. Um, that didn't really work out because he didn't really last long. And then there was another guy named Jim Boylan who came, who came about, and he wasn't that good either. So the, the Bulls front office has uh, gone through a bunch of changes in terms of like they've been trying to be so you know strong-headed in terms of trying to stick with a head coach, but players not buying in players not accepting that um, and they have a right to be that way and the front office um, over the years hasn't been good it's been a, an old kind of thing by you know John Foreman and Paxson um, and they've done their good things over the years but there's always a time for a change in the front office a change for a head coach and you need somebody to step in and give you a new direction of the franchise and now with the Bulls recent hires who they who they have chosen uh, to lead this new era of uh, Chicago Bulls basketball, they are actually more equipped and I think ready to handle the Bulls and get this team going in the right direction, to turn the losing around. Um, they are hoping that with the new front office and new coaching staff that they'll be able to do well. But the roster in itself is going to still struggle in terms of getting you know winning results but they are trying to build something uh, and they hired Billy Donovan as their head coach um, and Billy Donovan as everybody may or may not know coached the OKC Thunder and we know what, what great job that he did with that that group of guys in Oklahoma City with Chris Paul I mean truly getting guys to play extremely well um, they bought into him. Uh, and the reason why he, he could not 
stay on as their coach. Um, I believe was because you know they just had the contract thing came up and both sides decided to part ways. But Bill Dami has a proven track record of being a good head coach in the NBA so far, and it's very possible that he could get this team playing in a, in a good fashion, offensively and defensively, um, because he has a winning record. He's been able to work with a lot of guys in Oklahoma City and got those guys to play at a high level. So. The Bulls are expecting the same from him, and I can't remember the name of the new new uh, Bulls front office members, but they got a new general manager in there that is going to go ahead and take on the challenge of turning this team around. Zach Levine has been the best player for the, for the Chicago Bulls as of late. He was brought over from that trade that sent Butler to to Minnesota, and so Levine is someone who. He's truly a good player, has been able to give the Bulls some kind of hope. And building around him has been the key, I would say. So, you know, the Bulls as a team, they got a lot of work to do, obviously. They haven't played in months. Um, but they are a team that is gotten, has gotten younger. They've gotten some decent guys who have big upsides. And it's really up to Billy Donovan to do a good job of getting these guys to play at a high level. You know, the impact that he had on, on Oklahoma City, I think both hoping for the same thing. He's an experienced, proven head coach. That's the best way to put it. Chicago didn't have that the last couple of years. Now they do. Um, and I think Donovan's going to coach them really, really well. And at least get them, to, get them to play much better. They may still lose more games here and there, but the performances of Wendell Carter Jr., you know, Markin, and Kobe White, they have to be looked at. These three guys are, you know, some of the recent draft picks that have to step it up and play well to earn their spot um, in the year to come for the Bulls. And so they do have some nice talent there. It's all about how, how they develop this talent. I think they drafted Patrick Williams in the, in the NBA draft this past year. So the Bulls do have some nice young pieces, guys who really have to step up and play play well. Because I think that this this new uh, you know Bulls front office is going to be more you know involved in a lot of things. I think they're going to try to you know encourage the input of players. I think uh, players will get that more of an energizing feeling playing. Uh, for Billy Donovan and hopefully that will make the Chicago Bulls at least somewhat better um, this season if not just make them more competitive at least so you want to see them just come out there play well see the young guys develop um, and get it going because the Eastern Conference you know there's been a lot of talent that's been going and coming from the Eastern Conference Um, and the Bulls if they can just find a way to get some guys to play at a high level uh, if Billy Donovan can get these guys to play at a good level, then maybe they can get a free agent to come there um, or somebody to want to play for the Bulls and have that desire to play for the Bulls, seeing how they're trying to trend the right direction. And Billy Donovan, that front office, over the next year or so, uh, the next two or three years, they'll be looked at, at what they do with these draft picks, how do they develop these players. And if Billy Donovan was able to develop players Oklahoma City to a certain extent and get them to play well 
Smith. He should be able to do the same with this Chicago team that has some proven veterans on this team. Um, and if they can get it going at least this season, at least win more games than they won last year, it will be a step in the right direction for this franchise. So now in this segment, I want to just preview um, the Thursday night football game that is taking place week 14 in the NFL, kicking off with the New England Patriots playing the Los Angeles Rams tonight. And this is a big time matchup uh, for both clubs as the Patriots are trying to keep their slim playoff hopes alive while the Rams are looking to get some more traction in terms of holding on to the NFC West lead as they are currently tied with Seattle 8-4. Now, both teams are coming off wins last week. The Pats have played much better as of recent. Their defense is the reason why. Their running game has been rejuvenated by a lot of things. Cam Newton is doing good on the ground passing wise not really because he doesn't really have much around him to be honest but his passing effort hasn't been as crisp as Jared Goff has been but their defense special teams for the Patriots was big time last week against with a shutout of the LA Chargers Um, and they're hoping to make this game probably closer and kind of a slugfest in terms of defense so Looking at both sides, I mean, New England is just trying to keep their hopes alive by winning whichever way they can. That defense um, has gotten better with Gilmore and Jackson there. They've been able to pass rush a little bit better, um, get after the quarterback. So, you know, Belichick has them playing a good defense overall. Now, we know that Patriots don't have all their players and all their starters. Then again, every team has been dealing with that. Uh, but this is a rematch, obviously, um, between two teams that played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Um, some faces have changed for both sides. And you, know, you want to see now what's going to happen with these two teams going forward. Jared Goff did play well you know, against Arizona last week. You know, He avoided turnovers. He's going to have to do the same thing against Bill Belichick. Because the last time we saw him play against Bill Belichick's defense and his team did not put up much of a fight offensively. They didn't have a touchdown pass. So Jared Goff's going to have to play well early on in this game. He's going to have to be efficient. And the whole thing about Jared Goff this season has been you get the good Jared Goff or the bad Jared Goff. Because he plays well for a certain stretch of games. Then he has this not-so-good stretch. So it's him about being consistent, being consistent in his effort and his play. And this is a chance for him at home to really get it going early on. Against a pass secondary that is good, but if Jared Goff can make accurate throws down the field against this pass secondary, they will win this game and it will not be as close as most people are, are expecting it to be close. Sean McVay and the offense really have to do a better job of getting this offense, you know, 
to control time of possession, to, to score. They have to take advantage of the matchups against the Patriots. The Rams are 5-0 this season, I believe, when Jared Goff is turnover-free. So if he plays mistake-free football, gets the ball out of his hands quickly, lets his wide receivers do the work, uh, the Rams will have a good shot at winning this game and putting it away early. Now, I look at the Rams' defense, and they've been talked about as one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. This is their chance to prove it against a past offensive line that hasn't been as good as years past. Aaron Donald has a chance to have a multi-sack game, maybe, if he can get after Cam Newton and take him down. So this Rams defense on the outside has some good cornerbacks. We know Jalen Ramsey is going to take away your best option. He's going to be all over um, on that defense. So it's really important that the Rams pressure Cam Newton, but they also stop the run. What the Pats were doing really well last week and the week before. They got to shut down the running game, force Cam Newton to throw the ball. Um, because we know when Cam throws the ball, his passing numbers aren't always there. Um, his accuracy comes and goes sometimes. And so their best shot is trying to put the ball in Cam Newton's hands and see if, if Cam can beat, beat him through the air. Um, I think for the Rams, although in this game, if they go tempo on the, on the Pats' defense, I think that will be a good formula for, for success. Because we've seen the Rams do that in the past, go tempo on, on some teams and put points up early. And I think Jared Goff should do that a lot more in this game. They do need to have a good running, you know, rushing attack. Um, they did play well, you know, Cam Akers did play well against Arizona last week. This is the Pats defense we're talking about, and it's all about. The Rams controlling time of possession, putting Jared Goff in the best situation um, to pass the ball down the field. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds, these are all matchup problems for the Patriots. The Patriots can match up well with these guys, um, but there are just some key key matchups that I'm sure Sean McVay and offense coordinator Kevin McConnell will work on with Jared Goff in this game. And the best shot for the Rams in this game, obviously, as I said it before, is to get off to a fast start, play good defense, try to force the Patriots into turnovers, um, because that's one of the things that they've had trouble this year with is, you know, when Cam has the ball in his hands or, you know, this defense with some penalties and keeping them on the field a long time, the Rams just need to come out, come out, be, be aggressive, take some shots against the, against the Patriots, don't be afraid to challenge the Patriots secondary. Is what I would say to the Rams. Their running game can be a factor, um, and like I said, Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, and this defense that has been playing well did a good job against Kyler Murray. Um, they're gonna have to keep it going against Cam Newton, force him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, and if they can get pressure on him rush them out of the pocket. I think their secondary will take care of the rest. So, in terms of the special teams, I mean, the, the past special teams did play well last week. And we know the Rams also have, have a good special team as well. 
So field positioning and kicking will be important in this game. And I really think that um, the Rams have to avoid getting into long down situations against the Patriots. I think they need to optimize their starting field position. And the best way to do that is to make sure that they keep the ball going, um, putting up points, and making sure that they are in manageable third down situations so they can take advantage of the Patriots. So, all said and done, I think the Rams will um, win this game tonight. And I will be pre- previewing more storylines for Week 14 in the NFL tomorrow in tomorrow's episode.